up everything. It's a bonus episode now that Alex Petrangelo is no longer a blue. The audio is a little suspect, but, you know, so is the Blues future. So, uh, you know, enjoy it, and uh, we'll get you another episode later this week, probably. Uh, let's go, Blues. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Live on Zoom while I am in a car, and we have no notes. So this is going to be an impromptu Two Guys, One Cup bonus episode on October 13th. 2020, not Friday the 13th, but Ian, are you feeling a little spooked anyway right now? Very much so. I, um, a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of mixed emotions for forever, I think. Yeah. Just kidding. I'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I think, (laughs) I think though that is the right way to feel as blues fans right now. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot to unpack emotionally and um, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I guess we start with the big headline, which is the Kyle Clifford signing. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what people have been waiting for. That's Our take on folks, Kyle Clifford. When folks said, hey, go ahead and record an emotional podcast, I think they were talking about Kyle Clifford. Uh, no, I mean, so Alex Petrangelo, as we suspected on the last podcast, although we talked about alternative conspiracy theories, uh, has signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. Nate Schmidt uh, was traded to make that possible, and that uh, caused some delays in the process, but um, it's official. Alex Petrangelo, number seven on the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, signed a seven-year deal for, what was it, $8.8 million AAV? Yep, yep. Um, full no-movement clause and, and heavy uh, signing bonus protection, especially towards the end of the contract, all of the things that uh, Petrangelo supposedly wanted and could not get from Doug Armstrong. Um, I guess why don't you start in and just kind of talk about your initial response to the contract itself, kind of you know whether you thought that was high, low, about what you expected, and then maybe your initial initial sort of gut reaction to the whole thing. Um, you know, as far as the contract's concerned, it feels like the the no movement clause had to be in there. That seemed like that was the sticking point. And I would have been even more, uh, I think, devastated or or thrown for a loop if he had signed. And there was like, you know, just a no trade clause or just something real, you know, just something real small. Because then I would be like, man, he, you know, he did not want to stay here because I guarantee you Doug Armstrong was offering that to him. Um, so the no move clause made sense. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, obviously seven years as much as he can do and the 8.8 was was actually a little lower than I thought I honestly thought they would go for the nine I thought they you know I'm sure Alex and his agency asked for nine and they settled around 8.8 but I really thought it was going to end up being like you know a 9.1 and 9.2 to really equal out to what an eight by eight would have been here in St. Louis Um, and as people have debated and talked about and honestly I, I don't really care either way. You know, Vegas, he's technically making less money. 
but the, he doesn't pay income tax or whatever, and there's you know lower state taxes and all this stuff, so it comes out to the same or something. It's, essentially, it's a wash. I mean, honestly, it's a wash. Um, so that to me, he's signed an a a contract that the Blues could have given him, you know, a little less money for one more year, um, but with a full no movement clause, and that seems to have been the actual, you know, the actual pen to paper sticking point was the no movement clause and I guess some of the signing bonus stuff as well. Um, so the contract made sense when I saw it come down, but it was, you know, it, it, it sucked just because he was a UFA for, you know, he wasn't a part of the blues for what, like a weekend essentially. And he it it just felt like he still kind of was or or just felt like he didn't belong to anybody almost felt like he retired he's just gone and i was like oh that's too bad but you know he's, yeah. he's injured he's retired you know good luck to you alex but then he signed with another team and it was kind of like oh oh baby it's i mean it's you know it's akin not quite but it's akin to seeing like someone you broke up with with somebody else and you're like oh you know fresh you're like how can how what how can this be <laughs> and then it's just uh <laughs> It sucks. I mean, honestly, that's just, that's how I felt. That's how it's felt. And I've ping-ponged back and forth between um, just being angry, honestly. I mean, mm -hmm. as angry as a fan can be with uh, Petrangelo and his, the group that represents him to just being kind of just sad and then to kind of just being over it and then to kind of being angry again. It's just like this weird cycle. And, you know, I hope, I hope the spinner ends on over it eventually, but it just seems like it keeps going and going and going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the weird things fans do on Twitter and um, in the social media world is kind of like demand that people have the same emotional reaction to things as they do. Mm -hmm. And that's always really weird to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm been more in the anger category. Um, and I think I kind of foresaw some of this. I think we've talked about it a few times with like the, the Players' Tribune article idea, which I'm sure we'll still still see. Um, but just this, you know, please please don't tell me that staying in St. Louis was the most important thing to you because it wasn't, you know? And that's that's kind of what I keep reinforcing with people on Twitter when they hit me back. It's like, I don't debate at all that it was completely his right to sign wherever he wants. That's how free agency works, you know? If he'd wanted to sign in Minnesota – at five years for five million dollars that's his right um you know but that doesn't mean i have to be okay with it or and it and bigger than that what what it really is to me is you know he he has that quote that's making the rounds today about like i tried and we tried and we tried and we tried and nothing could ever get done and it's like <clears throat> no you really didn't try that hard because you didn't make any concessions you know and mm -hmm. again doesn't have to make concessions really doesn't have to but it really seems like he and his camp have been trying to manipulate kind of the emotions of, of St. Louis fans and kind of manipulate their reputation through the media and the media will play along with that because they want to be able to tweet out a good quote and I get that completely I don't blame them but um, that's the stuff that kind of has me feeling maybe more more bitter and a little more angry than I am sad just because like you know, if he wanted to leave, that's fine. Um, I don't understand it genuinely. I mean, I think he's leaving behind the chance to be a franchise legend and have his number retired and, and even possibly enter the Hall of Fame because of 
of his, you know, his face being the face of this generation of the Blues. Um, now I think well, that'll kind of transfer to Ryan O'Reilly a little bit, even though, you know, Petrangelo was technically the captain when we won the cup. Um, I think that's just kind of how it's going to shift over time. Uh, but, you know, either way you want to look at that, it just seems to me like what a weird, what a weird conclusion to the era and what a weird kind of like, I don't know. It just, when you look back at it, does it ever feel like this was anywhere near close? Like this was ever anything that was really possibly going to happen? Or are you kind of like me where it just sort of feels like, I don't know, maybe Petro sincerely wanted to stay here, but he only wanted to stay here on his terms and he never got anywhere close to getting those. Yeah. I mean, they had the quote today where, like you said, they said he tried and tried and tried. And then there was also, um, I think before that full quote was Strickland basically saying um, that Petrangelo said that as free agency got closer and closer, he was more looking to test in the market anyways. And that was just the way he wanted to go and everything like that. And it just, it really, um, even with the full quote, really kind of feels like he expected, like you said, the Blues to expected to be able to have his way and the Blues would eventually just make the concession because he's the number one defenseman and the captain and all that stuff. And honestly, I, I can't fault him or his agency for trying that angle because that's a, that's a very good angle. You know, that's, the, that's true. That's the first captain to lift the cup for the Blues. He's like their, their best player, honestly. Like I know a lot of people kind of debate that, but it was, that's just like the fact um, that he was like their best player. And, you know, that he, he can make those, he can make those demands. If there's anyone that can, it's him. Um, And I think it was just the fact that they ran into literally like a brick wall and Doug Armstrong was just like, yo man, we do not, we can give you so, so much, but we cannot give you some of the stuff you're looking for. Um, And, and then Petrangelo was, was, was like, okay, I guess, you know, that I, we can only do the, what I want which is again, a fair, a fair thing. And then he had to walk, but it just seemed kind of funny that he said, Oh, you know, as we got closer and closer to free agency, um, it became very apparent, you know, that I should really test the free agent market or that's the way it was going to go. And then to also say that he was like caught off guard or whatever by like a signing Tory Krug. And I was like, dude, which one was it? You know, I don't think it can be both. I don't think you can say, Oh, I knew I was essentially leaving. And then when they signed Tory Krug, I was like, what's happening here? It's like, I think he was still thinking as he left, there was the Blues were essentially going to wait. You know, he was like, mm-hmm. it's again to the dating thing. It's like, you know, I'm going to keep the, I'm going to keep my, my old, my old, uh, my old uh, acquaintance here as a, as an open door just in case this, you know, I test the market and nothing really works yeah. out. And we pretty much closed the door on him. He said, nope. <laughs> and kind of an FWB situation, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dougie got himself a full time game and, you know, that door closed. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's... like I wouldn't ever say full-time dame, but Dougie might. So, you know. Oh, oh, oh Dougie's, <laughs> down, Dougie's down with the language of the children. Um, <laughs> that's why That's why they let Robbie Fabry design all those hats, baby. He knows what people want. Um, it's, it's just weird. It's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. And I think we've talked about this a lot. Um, outside of the podcast but it's like I would be okay I would feel a lot better if he was like man 
I'd be a lot better if he was almost just like outrightly selfish and was just like, man, mm-hmm. I just need the money, baby. I need that money. And I was like, damn, dude, you really need that money. It's like, yeah, man, I'm worth this much. That's what I'm doing. And it's like, okay. And then he goes to Vegas. I'm like, shit, dude, you know, best of luck. You got your money. But just yeah. the weird, like you said, whole like thing where he's like, we really wanted to try. And you know, my wife's from here. My kids are from here. And, you know, we're born here. And it's, it's, it's the place I've grown up. And, you know, I became a man and all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, okay, well, you can stay. Like yeah. you can do it if you really like it's, if you really want it's to. It's the same as it's the same. It's a carbon copy of the David Backus thing, where it's like, oh, it ripped my heart out of my chest to leave St. Louis, and it's like, okay, then why did you? You know, like, <laughs> you know. I mean, in, in Backus's year. case, it was literally five million dollars he was gaining in a year of security, and so that's an even bigger gap in my brain <clears> than what Petrangelo lost by or would have lost by signing here instead. But it. It is kind of odd. It's reminiscent to me of that Eric Andre meme where it's like Armstrong's in the chair and Petrangelo is holding the gun and he's looking at the camera and saying, why did you make me sign with Vegas? You know, like, hmm. like it doesn't, again, I keep reinforcing this point because I, I think people think I'm being unreasonable, but like completely within his right. I get that. I know how free agency works. It's a business, but I just, if it's a business, if we're living by the it's a business principle, then don't give me the emotional, like, you wanted to stay crap either, because you didn't that bad, you know? And mm-hmm. so, I just, I look at it, I mean, you know, I don't really know what happened. But if I was just going to kind of give my reading of the situation, sort of trying to put together the tea leaves of everything we do know and sort of half know and and kind of understand through reports. It really seems to me like he got offended as far back as at least the Justin Falk trade and the immediate extension. And he got upset that Armstrong made a deal with another right-handed defenseman and didn't, you know, sign him first. And I, I get that. I mean, from a purely like respect and like, you know, I want to, I want to know my future standpoint. I totally get that. That's, that's, you know, it's it's a little petty, but that's fine. I would be offended, too, if I was Alex Petrangelo in that situation. Uh, and then, you know, I think the Shin extension and the, the Scandella trading extension, those couldn't have helped, and I think he was upset. Um, I think his – I do think, as we said last time, that his uh, management, his agency, just completely misplayed this horribly. Uh, you know, I think they really got to a point where it was one team bidding against themselves. And that's probably why you didn't see a climb to nine million or nine, even 9.5. Some of the ridiculous numbers we saw, heard thrown out there. Um, and then I think, yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately do believe whether he really wanted to stay here or not. I do think he always thought like the door will be open for me to come back. If I want to come back, if Vegas doesn't give me enough. To move me away, uh, that that door will be open. I'm gonna make Dougie sweat a little bit, and I'm gonna get exactly what I want either way, and I'll end up in the best situation for me. And uh, you know, I think to his eternal credit, Armstrong didn't play that game, and he went out and he hired, you know, the next best defensive option, probably the probably the third best overall free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even the second best. I don't know what's going on with Taylor Hall. I guess we can touch on that briefly uh, before we hang up. But like, whatever, however you want to look at it, 
went out and signed a defenseman and said, listen, I can still fit you in here if you need to, if you want to decide you're serious that you really want to come back, but I can't hang around and wait and watch my team get worse and watch another good player that I could have signed leave or, you know, not come here just to appease your little dog and pony show about flying to Vegas and checking out neighborhoods, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I think, there was a period where I was, I was really mad at Doug Armstrong and I felt like this was his fault and, and negotiations that he was screwing up. And, and now I've kind of come around to the conclusion that like, man, the dude did everything he could. And I know there are people out there that make the argument that he should have just bent on the no movement clause. And I kind of get that argument, except listen, if that's your philosophy, it is your philosophy. And I kind of get where he's coming from with the don't make a player more powerful than management, you know? And Doug Armstrong has been screwed by those situations a lot. We know pretty much without question that he could have had a trade for Taylor Hall uh, if he, you know, by dealing Kevin Shattenkirk, if Kevin Shattenkirk hadn't had a no trade clause. And he could have had a, you know, he supposedly has had any number of trades involving Alex Steen that Alex Steen has shut down. He could have unloaded that contract at some point. And God only knows what would have happened with Patrick Bergwind if his agency or, you know, him himself hadn't screwed up the stipulation on that clause. So, like, I kind of get why Doug is gun-shy. Now, you could argue that those were all his fault for giving those in the first place. But if you argued that, then you'd have to also argue that that's why he's not doing it with Petrangelo, you know? So, like, I really wish Alex Petrangelo was still here. I still think we're a much worse team and probably something we'll get on, you know, into more depth on the next time we have a long fuller episode. But like, I think we are a considerably worse team today than we were on, you know, June 12th, 2019 or whatever the date was that we won the cup. Uh, But, you know, I just, I think this situation ended not at all the way it should have, but kind of, you know, I think it, I think the chips fall where they may and, and there's not really fault to place other than, you know, at the feet of, of just kind of the business side of sports, the reality that teams need to protect themselves and players need to protect themselves and, and this relationship didn't work out. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of rambled there, but do you have any, any thoughts on any of that? No, I mean, yeah, I think it's, at the end of the day, it's sort of just, I don't know, it's, it's, it sucks, but it's also, I think there's been enough days, one whole day, I suppose, in between now that it's like, mm-hmm. um, that's just sort of the way that it is. I always think of it like the David Backus thing, even though Petrangelo meant means or meant more to this team um, in terms of his performance and what he brought, but like for when we lost David Backus, I remember thinking, man, this is going to feel really weird. This mm-hmm. team without David Backus, that was probably like, I don't know. We had traded Oshi at that point. Um, Perron was off the team. Still have Berglund, Petrangelo, Steen, all these guys. But like, for some reason, the back, Backus leaving was like this thing where I was like, no, no, no. I thought he was going to be a blue forever. Mm-hmm. And so it felt weird when he left. And I remember thinking, this feels weird. I've, I've since I've been a fan, he's been on this team, and like, what am I gonna like? What is this team gonna be without him? Even if it's fine, like, it's just gonna look weird. It's gonna be weird that he's in Boston and all this stuff. And know what happened? The next season, I got really used to it really fast, and I was like, whatever. And I never. I feel I like 
I never watched him play like a game in Boston. And like, mm-hmm. while Petrangelo is a much um, a much bigger player in terms of what he brings to a team, and he's in a team that's in the West, and I'm sure he'll be talked about a lot more, you know, media wise. I also do feel like, as a fan of the Blues, you know, you and I who are you know, ears deep with the Blues and paying attention to the Blues and stuff, and we pay attention to the other teams in the league as well. We're, it's you're gonna you're gonna kind of forget about the guy. It just sort of happens. I mean, if that makes anyone feel any better, it makes me feel better sometimes because I don't want to necessarily forget about him. But I used to think like when Bacchus left, like it was just always gonna be a, like this gaping hole on the team, and I was gonna be like, what's happening or where is he? And while I do think Petrangelo leaves a bigger hole and one that probably does need to be filled in some capacity, um, it's still it will still be okay or i will be like you know what um he's gone but we've got other things going on and if anything it sounds really weird while we've taken a step back i think it makes the team slightly more interesting mm-hmm. you know like well, it makes sure. it, yeah it makes me very it makes me really want them to start playing like immediately because i really mm-hmm. want to see what tory krug is to this team and i really want to see what colton preko is as a first line you know a first pairing defenseman and I, I, you know, hell, I want to see what Kyle Clifford is on the fourth line, but, you know, just like, I just want to see what this team is now, because even if they're bad, I'm kind of in the <laughs> mode of like, Hey, you know what, that's kind of, that's kind of old hat, but also new and different where I'm like, okay, yeah. um, we, they've talked about having, um, having Cairo and having Thomas like prominently like, uh, Ruby and, and Armstrong talked about them having like top six roles like for sure this year at least Thomas um and it's like okay I want to see what that's like and so it's just kind of this whole okay Petrangelo's gone but I'm still very interested in what this team is and I do think Armstrong I have enough faith in him really that like if there's some real big missing pieces that he's going to do his best to try and fill those holes um might not might not be this year but you know in the coming years um, mm-hmm. relatively efficiently and quickly and so I do think we're um, a worse team for sure but I'm int- I'm interested to see what that worst team is like yeah and he's gonna have a lot of money to play with next summer if, it's, if it's very he chooses to go I was gonna say if you if people don't go on cap friendly they should because I <laughs> like much like I was saying I want the season to start I look at our cap and I just kind of look at everybody and it's like, I just want this, this season to just like, yeah, let's play the season. Let's get it over with because I'm super interested <laughs> in like what happens to Jaden Schwartz. Tyler Bozak's gone, I think. Um, uh-huh. Alexander Steen, who I will talk about maybe on uh, a different podcast this week, uh, is on injured reserve. And will he retire after that? He's, his contract's up at least. The, you know, um, You've got Robert Thomas. What is he making as an RFA without arbitration rights? Like all these different things. And like, I forget what it is. I'm looking at it here. Um, with with Tarasenko and Litstein on against the cap currently, we're like, whatever, a million and a half over, or just a little over a million over. But like next season, we're already down to like 55 million out of our 81. And then the next season after that, it's 40. We're down to like half. And I get your resigning, you know, some of these people, but also you're not, you're not re-signing Tyler Bozak. You're not re-signing Alexander Steen. That's like $10 million freed up. You know, it's, I'm just, it's just, there's a lot of money to play with all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that'll be really interesting. Probably something we can look at 
you know, a little more on later this week when mm-hmm. we do a fuller episode. But like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of interesting things going on outside of Petrangelo, and that's what I've been yeah. trying to use to uh, well, to soften the blow. <laughs> well, I think that's the big thing about you know, I I weirdly don't feel. I don't know, like Alex Petrangelo is 50 times the player David Backus was. And if I just offended you, you think too highly of David Backus. But, <laughs> um, but I don't think he's the anywhere near the entity that David Backus was in terms mm-hmm. of like on-ice personality or just the size of his presence on this team. Um, and so it's weird. I, I weirdly feel like it'll be a lot, like it won't be as felt in absence in that perspective as back as was now. It could be a disaster on the ice. It really could. Like I I don't know what to expect from this team. They could be basically fine, or they I I think there's a chance they could be really really surprisingly bad. You know, they've lost their defensive cornerstone. It's basically a whole new defense now from mm-hmm. the defense that won them a cup a year ago. And, um, you know, they their top scorer is going to be off. Their top veteran leader is going to be off. Um, and they're going to be putting rookies in prominent roles, which I think is great, which I think we all want to see. But, like, don't know. Could be bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and even, you know, even if they were to go out and get a Mike Hoffman or a Nivgini Dodonoff, I don't think that necessarily changes that outlook. It gives you a little more <laughs> – top six security but not you know i don't think it says oh well for sure they're fine then yeah Um, it's weird i look at this team right now and you have some of these guys that are like baruby guys you know your your braden shens and maybe even like your jane schwartz and sort of stuff and like a ryan o'reilly even i guess i'm talking about sort of like the older the slightly older core but like just with these young guys and even just this defense like krug and falk um it just doesn't I don't know. I don't want to claim to know what a Barubi team is, but I feel like we do know what it is. It's the same thing that blues hockey's always been for the last like 20 years. And it's like, just crash and bang and, you know, work your tail off and just score some goals that way. This does not feel like that kind of team. No, no, it this sure does doesn't. It feels... This does not feel like that. And that's okay. But I'm just like, I like, sort of like what you're saying. Maybe that works. Maybe we just start scoring boatload of goals with like a huge, offensive upside from our defense now I, I i don't know if that's going to happen so maybe we do that or maybe we just do not yeah. and this team and we don't have the the best uh defensive defensive core or d core so it's like and then if we don't score then oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think that's the that's the most interesting thing to me about petrangelo and then we can you know talk about clifford quickly and and wrap up and leave it for a a bigger episode but like the cup team is now gone like Mm -hmm. I don't think we can think about this as an extension of the cup era anymore and I firmly believe our cup window is closed for the time being that doesn't mean we can't reopen it but Mm -hmm. I don't think we're a cup contender you know unless Armstrong pulls a rabbit out of his hat I don't think we're a cup contender entering next season. You know, we released some polls on Twitter um, where I think one was of which of the three teams, Vegas, uh, at Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis is the best on paper, which St. Louis got like 40% of the vote. 
and the other was like are the blues better or worse than they are you know than they were before and i think again st louis got or better got 40 percent of the vote or so um that's insanity to me and i think people are you know voting with their heart and not their head on some of that stuff but to me i think the cup window is closed for the time being however like you were just talking about, I don't think that makes it less interesting. I think that makes it more interesting, you know, mm. like, because how are we going to get back there? What's Dougie going to do? Like, this is a franchise that was good, and then they were kind of bad, and then they sort of won the cup out of nowhere, and now they've blown up a lot of that team, which I think I'm fine with in the sense that, like, I didn't want us to just overcommit to everybody from the cup team. Um you know, which we've talked about a lot is kind of our fear. Um, but now it's a different team. And, and I hope that fans and the media and, you know, I know you and I, but I hope that our, our friends and compatriots in this world will be willing to look at it as such and kind of start the 2020-21 season whenever it does begin with kind of brand new eyes and a fresh slate and you know, give everybody a chance, give Justin Falk a chance to see what he is without Alex Petrangelo, uh, give Tory Krug a chance to not have to be Alex Petrangelo, um, give Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo a chance if they're going to be in bigger roles uh, to fail a little bit and get better and, and improve that way, you know, give, um, you know, just give everything a little bit of a chance to blossom. And if it sucks, recognize that it's a considerably worse team and maybe that's what we should expect and that Armstrong will do things to improve it but I am really excited to see how that goes yeah I was like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of promise on the team you can take a step back and then take steps forward but yeah just just being realistic with what what the team is currently and I think like you said it's sort of that's what we project it to be um but it, it can change, and also it's just that that doesn't mean that it's not interesting. I do, I definitely, I definitely feel like I think Dangles talked about before in his podcast, where like you know the the Maple Leafs are really good right now, but they're probably actually sort of agonizing to watch because every year has to be like a cup for them. But it was more fun when they were kind of like the up and comers and kind of just like you know yeah, we're all right, but we're trying our best sort of thing. And it's like I can I can yeah. definitely understand that because. I do want another cup and I do want them to be competitive, but it does sort of feel like, you know what? I wouldn't mind if they're just like a wacky team for a little bit. And we just kind of like, what do we got here? What do we have in this team? Well, plus I love, you know, prospects and stuff so much that if they end up drafting, I'm not going to be upset about that either. So oh, yeah. kind See, of a win-win for me. The, dra um, I, the draft leaves me conflicted every year because that's what I'm like. I'm like, man, I'm so jealous of that shitty Buffalo team <laughs> for one yeah, day. Yeah, I do think about it where it's like, oh, man, the Ottawa Senators got three first-round picks, and then I'm like, oh, right, because they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about the Kyle Clifford signing. Um, monumental. Monumental. No, I mean, two years, a million dollars per season – I think I would have preferred one year, but as you pointed out to me the other day, that dude is 29 years old. I had no clue. I had no clue. We both thought legitimately that the dude was probably 36. Also, mm -hmm. was he 12 when the Kings were winning cups? That's what I mean. It's been like, a decade ago. <laughs> Am I like, insane? 
Yeah, what like was the first one. The first one in 2012, so he would have been pretty young. I mean, what? Yeah, he would have I been guess like 22, so. 23, or 21 um, even. Oh my god! But I mean, I do. I think it's a smart signing. I think he's he's a bottom six player. He's a fourth line player, and that's what he is. But I think he brings some of that same element that we kind of lost without Pat Maroon. Um, you know, I think he's the type of guy that can play up in the lineup if if Robert Top or somebody's getting pushed around a little bit or if you just need kind of a in front of the net presence I think you can shift him a little bit um and it's a million dollars you know it's entry level it's nothing I mean it's not entry level but it's not considerably more than that it's nothing that you're gonna get tied up you know even if he busts completely okay whatever you know you lost I don't even know what it is like half a percent of your cap so uh I'm excited, you know, it's not the the high profile forward when when Dougie said, I keep calling him Dougie tonight. I don't know why, but when Armstrong said, uh, well, you know, Petrangelo was still out there and there were things were a little bit up in the air when he said something about, Oh, well, we're still talking to a forward and a defenseman, you know, yeah, I think we all hoped that the forward might be a little more exciting than Kyle Clifford. Uh, but I think he's a good addition. I don't know. What do you think about that move? Yeah, I, I... I don't mind it at all. I think he's got a bit of, even though he's only 29, like we've, like we figured out he's been in the league for a long time. So he's definitely kind of a veteran presence and it does add a little bit of, a little bit of sandpaper because we are getting pretty young and even our older guys, uh, what that's, it's essentially, (laughs) well, it's like, it's essentially Braden Shen who's like a physical presence. I mean, in in the Uh sense that not just that he hits, but he's actually like tries to mix it up or something. Um, I guess David Perron too, but like Ryan O'Reilly is like a lady bing winner. I don't expect Robert Thomas to be throwing hits. Emphasis or, on the lady. Yeah, <laughs> or Jordan <laughs> Kyrou or anybody. So it's like, okay, so we have like essentially Blay, Perron to an extent, and Shen. And that was, that was honestly, it's kind of it in the front. And I'm not saying they all have to be bangers, but it's like you do kind of want a little bit of sandpaper and someone that's going to go out there and kind of stick up for your guys, um, especially in this division. This division's getting this division's getting nasty, um, mm-hmm. and you and you just you want to have that. And I think he was somebody that was actually relatively sought after this last uh, trade deadline. You know, the deadline that happened like almost a year ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, and like there were multiple suitors for him. And so I think that just speaks to like his his character. And um, I think I think he'll I think he'll fit in on this team. It seems like we we always manage to have some sort of some sort of sandpaper guy we bring in who everyone ends up loving. So I think despite him getting in that shoving match with, uh, with uh, Jordan Bennington earlier this year, which is also like was, li- was literally, I think a year ago um, from this past season. Uh, yeah. I think we'll all get over that. I mean, I remember that too. I think I was at that game. I was like, yeah, get in his face. Bennington. <laughs> I like that everybody that we've added has had a physical confrontation with someone on our existing team. I think yeah, we just need we need to bring in <laughs> Jumbo Joe. There we go. Um, who who else has made like a big impact? He's still unsigned, right? We can. Yeah, yeah. Keith, or, we need uh, Brent Seabrook in here. Oh, baby, a little bit of wakey wakey. wakey, wakey. You know, <laughs> just bring them um, all in. I'd do it. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Clifford not going to be exciting, but probably can pot you twenty points. You know, and and just do the hard work on the fourth line. He's the kind of guy you need. 
Um, I sure hope Armstrong has more up his sleeve. I know he's hinted that he's done with free agent signings. Um, you know, there's still some, uh, some real decent free agents out there. Maybe if their demands come down, he'll snag one. Uh, the Vince Dunn situation is up in the air, a, a trade. I don't want it. I really don't want it, but it seems very likely to me just because we've got Tori Krug and Scott Perinovich now. So, like, how many of the exact same guy do you need? Um, but, I, I mean, I really would – I'd love to see them trade like a Scandella instead and just load up in the puck possession game on the left side and just have it, you know, just – see how it works but uh, I don't think that's likely but whatever the case you know trades are still an option and you know Doug's, Doug's probably due for another banger trade it's been a, a couple of years so he could always pull one out of his sleeve but I think uh, I think just overall it's uh, it's interesting you know it sucks to lose Petrangelo but if you keep Petrangelo then you kind of know what the team is for seven years more you know it's the team that's that's trying to recapture that cup glory and, and stay in that mold and be led by that guy and stay that same way. And I think the way we have it now, at least, uh, at least it's different. You know, I think that's, that at least can be said to its credit. So any yeah. kind of final thoughts before we get out of here and, and, you know, probably record later this week or early next. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, with all the emotions swirling around, I do, because he listens, I do want to say good luck to to Alex Petrangelo uh, with Vegas. <laughs> I have, I honestly, it's even in just the time we've talked, it feels like I've softened a little bit on it. Just because I'm like, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to go, you wanted to go someplace. You know, the one thing that did stick out to me, um, I will say that even if it's a, even if it's a kind of a little bit of a like a white lie or something that he tells that he tells the media just to sound good as a soundbite. The fact that he was like, I want to go to Vegas because it's like a new, it's like a new challenge and like yeah. Shea Theodore is someone I want to mentor and stuff. For, for some reason that stuck out to me as like, you know what, that actually sounds really cool. Like I kind of can, I can sort of understand that in this weird um, world we live in where it's just like you accomplish stuff and you just want to go for higher heights obviously winning more cups with the blues that's you know one thing you could do but if you get a contract someplace it has everything you want and you go you know what this is different for me these this team didn't raise me um i accomplished essentially what i needed to accomplish like the thing i had to do at this this team that drafted me i did it we did it like I, I can now sort of almost like move on to the next thing, which is like a brand new team. I've never, I haven't been on a new team since like whatever, 2007 or something, whenever, you know, a junior, like, I think it just speaks to like maybe him wanting to sort of grow and evolve as like a person and, a, and turning into more of a, a veteran and all this stuff. And I don't know, that actually kind of made me feel like, you know what, that's, that's interesting that you would want to take that journey and that that's like a, how you view it and everything. Cause I think that's, that's, that's just an interesting take on it. And I think a lot of people can, can get behind that sort of feeling, you know. Oh, that actually uh, made me kind of happy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't wish him any ill. I was, I was pretty bitter for 24 hours or so, but um, oh, I yeah. don't want him to win any cups because I want <laughs> us to win all the cups. But other than that, I don't wish him any ill. And I hope he, I hope he's really happy in, in Vegas and, you know, 
I hope maybe one day he still comes back and gets to be a part of the St. Louis community and, you know, be a part mm-hmm. of the franchise and, you know, at the very least show up occasionally and randomly and, you know, hey, he married like, a lady Wayne from Gretz- here. like Wayne Gretzky does and they'll be like, oh, you have a house here? And it's like, yeah, because I married somebody from here, you know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Hey, they're, they're the same. They're the same. Those two. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Wayne Gretzky, Alex Petrangelo, same person. Yeah, and oh. that they let the franchise down. <laughs> That's right. They both betrayed us in our hour of need. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think that can do it for us tonight. Uh, I don't know how the audio, audio quality on this was. Hopefully uh, it was all right. And if not, you know, we can blame Zoom and, uh, you know. You need to get the new iPhones, one of the new iPhones, Stephen, because oh my they God. are 5G. I want to, man. It's, I had this, uh, I have an iPhone 10, I think. And I've been sort of like, ah, oh, you know. I don't need to replace it. I'll, I'll save money for a few months, a year or two, you know, not pay for a new iPhone. Um, but there's a little uh, issue in the corner of the screen where I think the display's cracked a little bit and it just looks silly. And now the new iPhone's dropping. I'm like, oh God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the resolve. Yet. Dude, dude get it, get it with me. I'm getting it. I've had this 6S since 2015. You've talked me into it. It's, it's happening now. We're doing it. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be the two guys, five G's podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a bonus episode for you. I, don't, I guess the only other thing that we didn't touch on is Taylor Hall signing a one year do- deal with the, uh, Buffalo Sabres taking the number four. Any quick thoughts on that? Or you want to leave it to the bigger episode? Is, is the number four significant just because he wore that in Edmonton? I guess. He, oh, did he? I think. I think you're right. It looks so weird, but I think you're right. I don't know. That, that, what a, what a career that man has had. Well, have you, you have really, you thought, yeah, have you thought about that? Like he went from Edmond, like Edmonton to New Jersey to Phoenix or to Arizona to, to Buffalo. And I'm like, dude, at, at any point after Edmonton, who was already should have been good with you and everything. You could have been on any like winning team. <laughs> yeah, I get two of them more trades, and this is like a signing, but it's like uh... that's what's so weird to me is like he supposedly wanted to play for a winner, right? Uh, and yet he ended up in Buffalo, which no hard feelings against Buffalo, but they aren't exactly primed to win. And this really does reek to me of spending $8 million to, tra- to sign some really nice draft picks in a year at the trade deadline. Yeah, like I could see this like, what is it, Kevin Adams, their GM was like, oh, you know, we really want to make this like a long-term, you know, relationship. Basically trying to be like, hey, yeah, we're going to try and sign him long-term. <laughs> and it was sort of like, okay, first of all, he's leaving. And second of all, <laughs> when he leaves... Jack We've Eichel's going to be the like Taylor Hall game before. I know you're Kev Wine Adams, and you've got a new gig, and you think you're pretty special. But yeah, we all know when, how this is. When your best winger, you know, sorry, Jeff Skinner, uh, leaves, then Jack Eichel, who's who you've brought Taylor Hall into, essentially convinced to stay, is going to be like, you know what? I like that guy. I'm leaving too. <laughs> like I, I think. They have been trying to do this all hands on deck, got to get Jack happy, got to keep him here. And instead, 
everything they do is just going to backfire. And he's going to be like, yeah, man, I have to leave like everyone else has been trying to do. And I feel so bad because I feel bad. I just feel bad for Buffalo. I could, we could do a whole episode on Buffalo because like, I, what a, what a dedicated hockey market that just loves hockey, like any version of hockey. They're like top five in like U.S. viewership numbers for like any Uh hockey game ever. (laughs) <laughs> and they and they have this just piece of shit team. <laughs> and it's just like the Stephen, the amount of the amount of tweets or podcasts I've listened to in the last like week or seen um, that have talked to me and tried to like blow smoke up my ass about how Buffalo is now like you know Buffalo's top six pretty oh, no. dangerous, and I'm like you know they kind of are. And they could be, possibly. But let me tell you something about the bottom six and the rest of the whole team. Garbage. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, you have Jack Eichel. Yeah, you have Taylor Hall. Yeah, Victor Olofsson's pretty good. Yeah, Jeff Skinner could be somebody. Like, Eric Stahl's old. And sh- you know, like, I guess he'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah, like, that's the nicest thing. I'm just like, okay, okay. Like, I, I feel bad because... I feel like Buffalo fans understand what they're getting. Buffalo fans are not duped. They're like, we know what oh, this God, is. No. We'll we'll hope for the best, but we're not, you know, we'll we'll plan for the worst here. But other uh-huh. teams' fans are like trying to talk them off a ledge, but they're like, they're already in the air, baby. Like, <laughs> like come on, Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo's gonna be okay. And like, dude, no. They've already seen they're taking like Olafson to like arbitration, and I saw some too. It's like, yeah, we get a late round draft pick that finally works out for us, and we're gonna like nickel and dime this motherfucker now. We're gonna be like, sorry, we just can't pay as much as we need. To. We can't, you know, as much as you probably want, and that's gonna be like, you know, I know you want three million a year, but can we really do one point five or some BS? And it's like, Jesus Christ. It does seem to me like whatever the move that might make sense is. Buffalo does the opposite. Like clockwork. <laughs> I know. I feel like every time they do something good, then they're like, we're thinking of we're extending Ristolina. And I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> why is it like a spinner? Rasmus Ristolainen is like a microcosm of that whole franchise because I don't understand how he's still there. I know that everyone's like, he's bad, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, he's like pretty bad. And then... <laughs> Even like the front office will be like, we have, we're expecting more from him. We need more from him. And then every year he's still there and it's like, what's happening? Man, we could do a whole episode on the Sabres and we will. It'll be called the Misery Index. <laughs> uh, TBS stole the name from us. And uh, it'll be probably probably in the next couple of weeks because once we do our next episode, kind of breaking down free agency and trades and stuff, it's uh, it's a dead zone, so we'll start to have some of those gimmick episodes. If you've got ideas for gimmick episodes, you send them to us because we got to figure it out. But uh, yeah, <laughs> until then, uh, you know that's uh, that's an episode. That's a bonus episode. You got extra this week, folks. In the books. You lost Alex Petrangelo, but God damn it, you haven't lost us. So you know <laughs> they can't we'll trade still- us away. We'll we have a full here. NMC. That's right. 2G, 1 NMC. Uh, <laughs> we'll still be here suffering alongside all of you. So uh, until we call back, until we call back, until we next record, which could be as soon as a couple of days from now. Uh, bon voyage, Alex Petrangelo, and 
Good night, everyone. See ya. When you were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say, live and let live. You know you did, you know you did, you know you did. But if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you Live and let die